Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful that the Lord has kept me here, although it's been hard. I feel like Paul a lot of times, Lord, although I know it's, it's good for me to be here. You know, Lord, I, I know that, you know, it would be, it'd be better for me if I was with you. But nevertheless, I know for you and your kingdom, it's, it's better for me to be here. And that's how I feel that way often. I think, oh, Lord. It would just be so nice if you just came and got us right now. Or I would, you know, just, just take us. Or if I was, you know, oh. But then I think, but Lord, you have, a, you have things for me to do. You have work for me to do, Lord. You have work for us to do, Lord. We're not saved. And then we go sit on our couch like couch potatoes and then just make faith confessions and then just say this, that, and the other thing. We're, we have a job to do for Jesus. We're commissioned into the army. The greatest army on the face of the planet. And it's not an army of one. Praise be to God. We need one another, don't we? We need one another. Praise be to God. Um, welcome, everybody, from YouTube and all over the world. Welcome. You're in my home as well as all the beloved ones in my home are here now. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. Uh, if you guys want to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15, we're going to be in verses 10 through 20. Study 10 verses this week. Matthew 15, 10 through 20. We're going to read it. Um, the title of our sermon today, The Origin of Sin. The title, The Origin of Sin, Matthew 15, 1 through 10. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to pray and ask God to bless the word. Matthew 15, verse 10. Read along with me. When he, Jesus, had called the multitude to himself, <clears throat> he said to them, Hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has now planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you to bless this message. Bless the words that I speak. Bless the ears that hear. Lord, we're all here, gathered together for one reason, one reason only, just to see you, just to know you more, just to hear your words more. To know you more intimately, Lord. We're not here for a fashion statement, Lord. Goodness knows I would lose a fashion contest. Thank you so much, Lord, because we get to gather here for you. You, Lord Jesus, are our guest of honor. Not me or not anybody in here, not anybody that's listening, Lord. You are our guest of honor, Lord. You, your word says that wherever two or more are gathered in your name, Jesus, that you would be there. And Lord, we gather in your name. And we ask that you'd bless the ears that hear and bless my mouth that speaks the words that you've given me this whole week and last whole week, Lord, as you've given me kind of two weeks to prepare for this one, Lord, and a partial week last week, and then a partial week this week, Lord, and 
Thanks be to God, the sermon's a miracle because it's, whew, Lord, well, you know all the things that went into it. I just pray that you would just help us to know you more. Help us to know this life and these ways and your ways more, Lord. Help us to know. I ask that you bless this message. Bless the ears that hear and my mouth that speaks, Lord, that we wouldn't just be, because I'm going to hear it too, Lord, we wouldn't just be hearers of the word only, but we'd be doers of the word. And we take notice of the things that you love and do those things, and we take notice of the things that you hate, and we don't do those things. But Lord, bless you and praise you and thank you. May you be glorified in this place, in our minds today, and in everything we do, this whole day and for the rest of our lives. We praise you and we thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. The origin of sin. If you notice, I'm going to step back a little bit. We... Two weeks ago, we had our, or last week we had our resurrection service, and, and two weeks ago we had our <clears throat> message from Matthew 15, 1 through 9. And Jesus, in verse 9, as we read it, and in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men, these were all directed, all his whole 1 through 9, were directed right at the Pharisees, right at the religious leaders. Jesus gets done blasting those religious leaders directly, of the fi- with the fire of truth and about how we talked about dangerous religion. We, that was our two weeks ago sermon, our sermon titled Dangerous Religion. Jesus gets done directly blasting these Pharisees, these religious leaders, with you know their dangerous religion, with the fire of truth, and how they were practicing it. And in verses 6 through 9, you know, uh, recap, this is how he ended his message. He says to them, <clears throat> then he need not honor his father or mother, Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. He's, he's kind of, this is just a recap. He says to them, hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, <clears throat> but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. So he goes through that whole thing to show them that, you, you, listen, you, you've lost the mark. You've missed the mark. You have not, you're not worshiping God the way God wants you to worship him anymore. You are holding up the traditions of men, above God's ways and above God's commandments, and that is not the way to do it. And so he, he directly blasts them with these harsh words, and as you see later, that they kind of heard all these things, and they were offended at those. We'll get to those later. <clears throat> but yet, he's not done talking about this subject as a whole. He was done directly blasting the religious leaders, but he's not done talking about this issue that he, of this dangerous religion and where it comes from, because we see here in verse 10, now when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand. He wanted to talk to the multitudes about what he just spoke to directly to the disciples. He wants to talk to the masses and whoever's still there for a, a little while longer on the same subject. And why does he want to talk to the masses? Why does he want to talk to his disciples more upon why he blasted the disciples? I think it's a good move. But we see here why. Hear and understand. He told them why. He told them directly why you know, they were doing wrong. This is what you're doing. You've, you've not honored God. But he wants people, he wants us even to this day, he wanted them then and us now to understand and hear the truth about why these religious leaders 
we're practicing a dangerous religion. God's desire is that even we today hear and understand what his truths are. Because if we don't care about what God's truths are, if we don't care and, or understand or even hear what God says, then we only care about ourselves. We only care about what we want to care about. And God says, I want people, my desire is that you hear and understand the truth. God doesn't like it when people don't listen. God doesn't like it when people don't hear him and they don't understand him. God wants everybody to hear and understand. Sadly, today, this very day, 2014, and still April, we have lots of people in this world today, a majority, especially in our own country today, that they don't want to listen and they don't care to listen to or hear anything that God or Jesus Christ have to say, just like the religious leaders back then. But Jesus is hard here. Verse 10, now hear and understand. He wanted them to understand what he really meant by them having a dangerous religion. And what, Jesus, what did Jesus want the masses and the religious leaders to hear and understand? Verse 11. He wanted them to understand this. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles man, but it's what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. That He wanted them to know the truth of why the religion of the religious leaders was so dangerous. And why was it? Well, the religious leaders, you may not know this, I didn't, you know, I knew this. I've known this for a long time. The religious leaders thought that by them practicing their religious traditions, by them doing their religious deeds and being all, you know, having an outward righteousness, by them washing their hands in a special way and keeping away from certain foods, they thought that these practices kept them holy before God. They thought that these practices made that God, you know, look at them and go, oh, wow. Those men there, oh, they're, they're, they're doing all those special religious traditions. They're, they're doing them, but they were wrong, as Jesus said, because they had replaced God's ways and God's commandments with their own man's traditions, and they were off. They had missed the mark. Jesus Christ here turns their world upside down and tells them and the masses, because they're still there, as, we'll, as I'll show you later, that keeping these traditions do not keep them holy before God because, he tells them here, not what goes into the mouth defiles man, but what comes out of a man. This defiles man because people, he says in a sense, and we're going to get to it later in depth, people in, in a sense, and they didn't know this at that time, they wouldn't even have accepted it, are sinful and wicked at their very core of their very being. So there's no way anything you could do as far as washing your hands a special way or eating a certain type of food is going to make you holy before God. Jesus Christ wanted people to know this truth about the origin of sin. And why? Well, Christ is truth. God is truth. The Bible says that God is love. God is truth. He's not a liar like the devil. He's not a liar. The, the, the devil was a liar from the beginning. And he was not in the truth. And therefore, he could not have any of God's truth. So God is perfect and love and truth, and he cannot sin. And number two, Jesus tells some religious leaders in John 8, 31, 32, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You see, the truth of God's word, God's word, God as a whole, and his truth, set people free from this sinfulness that's within us. He can. And only God's truths and only the work and the power of God through Jesus Christ can set a person free from their sins. 
And of course, these people weren't living on God's word. They were changing God's word into different religious traditions and different and going against God's commandments. And Jesus knew that not any form of religion, whether good or bad, or any good deed or bad deed, period, could make a person sin less before God. Only his truths, even according to Jesus. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. He didn't say, and the religion that you follow shall set you free. Oh, well, if you just eat this certain way, well, that'll set you free. Or if you wash your hands in this special religious traditional way, that will set you free. He said the truth will set you free. And remember God's heart. Not only does he want everybody to hear and understand, but he wants people to hear and understand. Why? Because the 2 Peter 3, 9, God desires none to perish and all to come to repentance. Remember, God is long-suffering toward us. God has not given up on anybody until your last breath, when at that point you, you plunge into eternity with the choices that you've made in this life. God has not given up on anybody from the point of birth to the point of death. Until we firmly die in our sins or in, our, in Christ's righteousness, and we either go to heaven or we send ourselves to hell forever. God desires none to perish and all to come to repentance. God and Christ Jesus, their desire, they're unified in this. God, does, God wants everybody, God wants people to get saved. God want pe wants people to be saved. He wants people to walk with Him in, in relationship, not religion. God loves mankind, and He, and he wants us to follow Him. In truth, of course, not in religion. So Jesus just told these guys that their religion and their traditions were false and wrong. And usually, what usually happens when this happens, there's usually two things that happen when you tell somebody that their religion or anything really that they do is wrong. And that's it. We find it in verse 12. We find what they did in verse 12. He said, then his disciples come to him, verse 12, and said to him, Do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying, by that statement there, verse 12, then his disciples came to him and they said to him, do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? What saying? They were there when Jesus said, verse 11, it's not what goes into a mouth that defiles man, it's what comes out of a mouth that defiles man. Well, this completely contradicted what they stood for. They stood for religious tradition. They stood for, we're going to do these things in a certain way. They stood for, you know, all the things that God said, but they had missed the mark because it had become all about what we do for God, not God's love and what God has done for us. So two things happened. They, number one, they got angry. And number two, notice he says that they, they did get angry. Verse 12, uh, verse 12, now disciples came and said to him, do you not know that Pharisees were offended? That's a past tense. That means that they're gone. That means that they were offended at what they heard him say, and then they left. So usually that's the two things that will happen once you tell somebody, as Christ told him there, that they were wrong, is they got angry, and then and they left. And that's still happening today because nobody, nobody, even me, even though I try with all my heart, if I hear some criticism, I'll, I take it in with a grain and I go to the Word. I say, am I wrong? Am I really wrong? If I'm wrong, I'll repent. You know, but most people are not like that. Usually when people hear that they're wrong by somebody, what do they do? They get angry and they leave because nobody likes to hear that they're wrong, about, especially about their religious beliefs, especially about their religious beliefs or anything for that matter. It's still happening today. A uh, couple weeks ago or a week or so, it was either a week or two ago, I had a, got a call, just random call uh, from these two fellas. And they had gotten a gospel tract uh, from somebody that was passing out one of my gospel tracts, and they called me. And it just so happens that they turned out to be Mormons. 
And they still called me, even though it was a Christian gospel tract, and they, they still called me. And, and so they wanted to meet me. So I'm not going to turn anybody down that wants to meet me or, or come to church or meet me. I'll, I'll love everybody. I'll take everybody. I'll, I'll talk with anybody about anything. And, you know, let's have an open conversation. Let's talk about truth or talk about what you believe, and I'll talk about what I believe, and we'll compare them with the Bible and so on and so forth. And so I went with a couple brothers, and I had a meeting with these <clears throat> couple Mormons. And, and as we started to talk, I guess they just thought, that they were just going to make me a Mormon that day. And in essence, when I had, you know, told them that some of the problems that I had, you know, traditionally and historically with Mormonism and, and with their beliefs and with the things that they believe about Jesus Christ and how they don't line up with the Bible and how the Book of Mormon contradicts the Bible and some, some prophecies that never came true, of course, they got angry. You're telling me I'm wrong. You're telling me I'm wrong. Well, yeah, I believe by my Bible, that you're wrong, that you, that, you know, uh, whether anybody listening or not, if you don't believe, Mormons believe that Jesus Christ is Satan's spiritual brother, and that Jesus Christ is also, God created him as a God, and so the Bible speaks about Jesus as God, Jesus says, me and the Father are one, and the Bible talks about that Jesus Christ was in the beginning with God in, in, in the beginning, and the Word was God, and the Word, you know, became flesh and dwelt among men, so the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and so they don't believe that, and so... They, of course, I told them that I believed that their beliefs were wrong. And how did it turn out? They got angry and they left. That's just, uh, I don't know, you know, they, they couldn't tell me that, I mean, they told me, of course, I was wrong, but I didn't get angry and leave because I don't have to get angry. I stand on the Holy Word of God, the Bible, and the, the truth of God's Word, and I believe it. And if you'll tell me I'm wrong, I'll consider it And if I'm wrong. But I, I look at the Scripture, and I didn't see that I was wrong. So then, then, nevertheless, I told them they were wrong, as they told me I was wrong. But in essence, they got up and they left, the same thing as the Pharisees did here. So the disciples came and tell Jesus, you know, that this offended the Pharisees, and that they were angry with his statement. And what's Jesus' response? How did Jesus respond to, you know, the disciples coming to him with these things? Read verses 13 and 14. But Jesus answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. He states the sad spiritual reality of their sad spiritual condition. And he says two things about them. Let's look at them. The first thing he says, he tells us that these guys are not of God, for they have not been planted by God. And because they're not planted by God, remember, they'll be uprooted, verse 13. Remember this, and uh, Jesus uses similar terminologies. And remember, he was always using ag agricultural terms Jesus used the same terms in Matthew 13 in the parable of the wheat and the tares. Uh, I'll read them, just uh, verse th uh, chapter 13, verses 24, uh, 24, 25. Another parable that he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now remember, the good seed was the good teaching of God Almighty and Jesus Christ. And the bad seed or the tares was the teachings, were the teachings of the devil. And so remember, whoever received the good seed, God said, those became his good seeds. But the enemy came and sowed those tares in there. And those tares were who? Those tares are the ones that accepted, they received the teachings of the devil. So 
These guys, as I, as I explained in depth in my sermon, The Parable of the Wheat and the Tares. So these that were offended were the ones that chose of their own will to receive the evil teachings of the devil. And hence, in a sense, you can look at it like they received the devil's planting of the evil teachings, which they became then the tares. Because as we looked here, they, they were basing their life on God's word, but they were changing God's word, and they changed his commandments and his ways, and they made up their own religious traditions that weren't of God, and they made up their own you know, special commandments about the way that they were supposed to eat and so on and so forth on their own. And so in a sense, they, they received God's word, but then the devil came in and tainted it, and they said, no, no, yeah, that's, that's the way we'll go. And in a sense, received the, the devil's tares in their lives instead of God's pure teachings. And, and, of course, we have the result of this choice to allow the devil's lies to be planted on their soil is the second thing that Jesus tells them, verse 14. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads, uh, leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Remember what Christ said about these same people in Matthew 13, 15. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their eyes they have closed and their ears they have shut up. Well, your eyes and your ears have to be open first before they can be closed. And who closed them? Their eyes they have closed. Their ears are hard of hearing. Least they should see with their eyes and hear with the ears. Least they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. So they, again, we see here that they were closing their eyes on their own and they were closing their ears off so that they would not hear God. Because, um, you know, there was a Holy Spirit back in the days before Christ. He just wasn't living in people, but he was certainly directing and putting the truth out there. And then God even would send angels to talk to people and give them truths as we, as we read in the Old Testament of the Bible. And that was supernatural and amazing and miraculous. And that was awesome. But yet these guys, even with all the proofs that they had, still were closing their own eyes and closing their ears to what God had to say. These that were offended, as well as those that followed them, chose to close their own spiritual eyes and ears to God's truths and follow the evil ways of the devil. And when people do this, when they do this, you know, this thing, the law follows. When, they, when, they cho when, when these people and those that follow them do this kind of thing, the result is that they, as Jesus said here, become blind, the blind leading the blind. They're both going to fall into a ditch. Or spiritually plunge into hell forever. That's what happens if you choose to close your eyes to God's truths. And you, ch and you choose to say, no, you know, I know the way, but this way is better. Then you're not following God's ways. You're following the ways of the devil. And you're both, you know, just like those Mormons that I spoke with a couple weeks ago or last week. They were, they were, the blind being led by the blind. They would just refuse to open their hearts to the truths of the, just the Orthodox Christian Bible and hence to chose their own way. Blind leading the blind. and They're both going to fall into a ditch or plunge into hell. And it's, it's so sad for them. It's so sad for people that choose to do that because why? God is so loving. God is so awesome. God is so amazing. And yet people still choose to close their eyes and their ears. But as sad as that is, Unfortunately, 
They're choosing to do that on their own because God's reaching out to everybody. I've talked to hundreds, maybe thousands of peoples, and they've been, you know, God's brought them to a point where they recognize and they realize things about themselves and they realize change and they realize that they need to do this and they need to do that. And what do they do? The God brings them the truth. And then they fall down on their faces and they repent right there and they no. No. They come up with another thing to argue about. Or they just say, Yeah, I, I hear what you have to say, but you know, no thanks. And yet the truth is right there and they accept the truth and they realize the truth and yet they still, on their own accord, say, eh, it's, it's just too hard. I, I, I just can't do that. So sad. So Jesus tells the disciples this truth, but did they get it? Jesus speaks the truth to them, but did they get it? Verse 15. Then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. Eh. They just didn't get it again. Peter jumps in, and impetuous Peter jumps in. And, Jesus, we don't understand again. Ooh, help us. Help us to understand, Jesus, please. Help us to understand. How does Christ reply to their coming to him? Verse 15, then Peter, uh, excuse me, uh, verse 17, 16, excuse me. I left the verse out. So Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Can you hear in there the tone of the voice of Jesus? Can you hear his tone? Verse 16, I'm going to read it again. So Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? I, I could just hear the tone of the voice of the Lord there. He, it just, to me, it doesn't sound very positive. Are you also still without understanding? Are you also here? Jesus, we see here, gets angry with his disciples. He gets a little frustrated. He gets a little angry with them because why? Jesus had been teaching these guys and telling them his truths for now probably a couple years at this point. We're probably halfway through Jesus' ministry here, maybe almost two years. And they still are just not getting it. They're just not paying attention. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 17 when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John and goes up on the Mount of, and where he gets transfigured, the Mount of Olives, and where he gets transfigured before their eyes. Peter, James, and John see it, and they see Jesus and Moses and Elijah all standing there together. And then they come down, and you know they don't understand, and Jesus is kind of telling them, and then they, Jesus and the disciples, they walk into a bee's nest. The other disciples are still down at the bottom of the mountain, and some, a fella came to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, my, my child is sick, and, she, and she's demon-possessed. I, I, I need you to, to heal him. And the disciples were there, and they came to the disciples, and the disciples tried to cast out the demon, and it didn't work. They just couldn't do it. And so by this time, now they're arguing. The people are angry. They're like, you know, why aren't you able to cast the demons out? This is, you know, how did, why didn't this happen? Jesus shows up on the scene. He meets them, and the, the uh, man, I believe it was, comes to Jesus and says, what, what's going on, Jesus? I came to your disciples, and I asked them to cast the demon out of my, out of my, out of my kid, and they, they can't do it. And Jesus answers in Matthew 17, 17, and he says, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And consequently, Jesus heals the boy. But there, Jesus again got angry, got frustrated with his disciples. And why? Because he'd been teaching them, do this by faith. Here's how you cast the demon out. He'd even at this point, I believe in Matthew, given them charge to go out and do this. And they had been doing this already. And yet they still couldn't get it. 
And he got angry with them here again. Because if you just won't hear and pay attention to what Christ is telling you, what God is telling you, God's going to get angry. If you care, here's a note. I made a note in this section of scripture, this, this section of my teaching. If you care, because I do, this, is a big, this has become a pretty big thing with me, like relationship. Just like if you care what your wife or your husband loves, you want to do those things because you love them. If you love God, if you love Jesus Christ, take note in this section of Scripture at why Jesus got mad. Here's why he got mad. Because he kept trying to teach them things, and they kept ignoring, they kept you know, not paying attention, they kept just whatever, their minds were off somewhere else. So us, in like manner today, if God or Christ are teaching you something, and they're trying to show you something. And you're learning, but then, you know, a week later, you have the same thing happen, and you got to ask, oh, Lord, I, I, please help me go through this again. And chances are, God's going to get a little angry with you. Because why? Look at this on a personal level. If you are trying to teach your son or daughter something, or you're trying to tell your wife or your husband something, and as you're talking to them, you know, they're just not paying attention. They're just, they're just not getting it. How many times do you think you'd be okay with them keeping on coming back to you, asking you to teach them the same things over and over and over and over again? Even though you spend all your time, every time, trying to teach them the same things, it gets pretty frustrating, doesn't it? It can get pretty frustrating when you're trying to teach somebody something and they just won't pay attention and they just won't learn. And if you wouldn't like this, as a teacher or a parent or a husband or a wife, if you wouldn't like this, then God made us in his image and we're made in his image and we have some of the things in us that are like God. And we see here Jesus got angry and I think I would get angry because I know I've gotten angry with somebody that I've had to keep telling things to over and over. The same things that they, dude, I told you this, I've told you this, I've told you. Why don't you get it? I get a little angry. God made us in his image. God as well gets angry, just like Jesus did here, when we keep coming and keep asking for the same things over and over and over again as far as, will you teach me this again? I, I, just, I just couldn't get this again. Maybe you got it one time. So just take a note. If you don't want God to get frustrated with you, pay attention and take notes to what he's teaching you. Pay attention and take notes to what he's teaching you. If you know God's trying to show you something, God's trying to show me patience right now. And I'm taking notes every day, and I'm learning every day. And I'm not asking them to teach me over and over again, but when the situation arises and I'm like, why is this happening? I think, oh, yeah, that's right, patience. That's right, Lord, I'm learning. Okay, Lord, I got it, I'm learning. But nevertheless, is God patient? Is God loving? Is God kind? Absolutely, hallelujah. Uh, nevertheless, Jesus, in verses 17 to 20, we see the abundance of patience in Christ because he explains it to them anyway. You know, we, we see the long-suffering of God, we see the long-suffering of Christ in the Word, and it reminds me of what David said in Psalms 103, 13 and 14, where David writes about God, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. So, of course, Christ answers them here in verses 17 through 20, even though he was frustrated with them because they still just could not keep getting it. They just had to keep teaching the same things over and over and over and over again. But just a warning, because I don't want to put it out there and say, oh yeah, just, you know, it's okay, even though God will get angry with you, you know, he'll just teach you anyway. Just, just a little warning on this, because, because God is patient, because God is loving, and because God is kind, does not mean then we can say, ah, well, 
God's patient, loving, and kind, and I can test his patience every day ah, just because he's patient and loving and kind. That's not what the Word says. The Word says that God will get mad, and he'll actually, as we see in the Old Testament, get angry, and you know, he could just cut you off you know, if you just kept doing it on purpose. It's a heart condition. We can't do things just that we know are going to make God angry and know, well, he's patient. It's it's just like people I talk to on the streets all the time, you know. Oh, hey man, here's what God wants you. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You know, God says this. I know God says this. Well, well, if you know it, then are are you doing it? No, you know. I mean, but God still loves me though. God God still loves me. He's you know still with me though. But dude, you're doing this, that, and this, and the word says no, and oh, I, I know, I know, I'll get it someday, I'll get it. I know he doesn't want that, but you know, God loves me because he's, you know, all loving, and he's, you know, all patient and everything, and oh boy, ow, I, yikes, word speaks against that, don't trample the blood of Christ by keeping on testing God, period, the end, just don't do it. So let's go through Jesus' explanation to his disciples of the origin of sin and get some understanding of what he was telling them about this topic, the truth that he really wanted the masses, that he really wanted the disciples to get. Verses 17 through 19, let's read them first. Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemy. So, whatever enters the mouth, food-wise, pretty simple, verse 17, goes into the stomach, gets eliminated. Pretty simple. It, you know, Matthew doesn't get, Jesus goes a little bit, expounds on this just a little bit in Mark 7 and 18, where he goes above and beyond and doesn't just say that, you know, he doesn't just say that the, any food that goes in, he purifies all foods, thus making, you know, no foods that anybody could eat a sin to man either. As people had messed up the old Levitical way in the Leviticus uh, chapter 11. So Jesus goes a little bit farther with this in Mark and says he purifies all foods as well as here he tells them here, anything that you eat is not going to cause you to be defiled before God. No food is sinful in and of itself. It's all God's creation. And he also uses a situation, as I just said, to declare all foods clean. So he wanted to make it clear that nothing you could eat food-wise, pretty simple, could cause a person to sin food-wise. Now that doesn't have anything to do with other things that we can do that would defile us before God or that we could blaspheme God by doing. But food-wise, in a sense, nothing you could eat, pretty simple, could cause a person to sin. And, you know, all foods, he said at this point, are okay for people to eat. They're not going to cause anybody to sin. So, if no food a person eats causes them to sin, and no special way to wash our hands in a religious traditional way could cause people to to sin, what does cause human beings to sin? Where does sin come from? 18 and 19. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, fault witnesses, and blasphemies. What is Jesus saying? He's saying that sin originates from the very core of your being. You're sinful, I'm sinful at the very core of our being. And then when we act on the sinfulness that's within all of us, 
then it becomes sin. The Bible says that we're all born into sin. It's called original sin. It's actually an old you know, belief of the ancient church, of the, of the first church as well to it. It's a, it's a statement. We're all born in original sin. We're all, from, for the, by our very nature, we're all sinners from our very birth, from our mother's womb. Jesus says here, Matthew, or Jesus says in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Jesus confirms that the sin originates within you. Not a food that you'd eat or not, uh, not washing of the hands or anything like that, but the sin originates in you. And whatever's in you the most, out of the abundance of what's in your heart, the mouth is going to speak. God tells us, remember, through the prophet uh, Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? So our heart, our inward dwelling, uh, Psalms 51.5, David says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Ephesians 2, 3, uh, Paul writes that our very, by, by, very, by our very nature, we are children of wrath. We are children of wrath. So we're all born hopeless sinners from right out of our mother's womb. It's just the way it is. It's, it's that way because, of, unfortunately, there was a man named Adam, and he started our race of people, and he sinned. And then he, by him, brought sin to the whole world, brought sin to every man, woman, and child over the whole face of the planet. Sin originates in every one of us. The root to every sin that a person commits, Jesus is saying, comes through the mind, the heart, or in essence, the mind, your thought life. You're not going to just go do something before you really thought about it first. Back when I lived in evil, and I was an evil man before Christ saved me, I would always think about the things that I wanted to do and then go do them. I didn't, wasn't just walking along and just did the, if I was getting mad on the road and I was on the road and I was, you know, getting mad at the person in front of me, I was getting mad and I was thinking what I was going to do to that person. Well, as soon as I got a chance to do something to that person, I thought about it. First, sin originates within us. We and our very nature are sinful. And then, as I said, it just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cause and effect when I think about them, when we think about them, and then we act on them, there, there is the fruition, there's the brought forth unto sin. Uh, look at verse 19, look at every single one of these. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Yeah, yeah, evil thoughts. They come from within, and then I think them, and they're evil, and I, I think them. They came from inside. Murderers. I'm not going to just go murder somebody just because I'm going to murder somebody. I'm going to premeditate hatred in my heart. I'm going to think about, oh, I hate that person. Oh, I and then you're going to do what? You're going to go murder them. You don't think lovely thoughts about somebody. Oh, I, I just love the way that person does that. Oh, they're so wonderful. And then take a hatchet and chop their head off. You don't do that. You think about murderous thoughts. You think evil thoughts. And then, oh, I'm going to go get them. It all originates within us. Adulteries, you think about it first. Oh, yes, that thing, that wonderful thing. And then you go do it. Fornication, theft. Oh, I'd really like that. Oh, but I don't have the money. Oh, and then you go steal. It all originates within us. All sin originates in us. And then when we act on them, they come to be the sin. The mouth that we speak comes out of our mouth that becomes then our sin. 
Only after we think about the things do we then act on them. And in verse 20, he says, these are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands, or you could say to eat any type of food, does not defile a man. Jesus closes the truth of, original, of the origin of sin with the sad result of acting on our sinfulness. Jesus states that the sin that originates in our hearts, that makes, that makes it out of our mouths, or you could say our actions... The sin that starts in our minds and then makes it out through our actions are what defile us, or you could say what make us sinful or unholy before God. And the fact that, he goes on to say, the fact that we might eat with some unwashed hands or eat a type of food, that it does not cause us to be defiled before God. That does not cause us to be sinful before God. It's pretty simple. Uh, they weren't ready to accept it, and Jesus, in a sense, had to only tell this to the disciples and the masses, because at this point, again, like I said, the religious leaders had gone away, they had left, but nevertheless, it's what Jesus Christ said, and I believe what the Bible says, that no food or special hand washing or religious tradition in and of itself is going to cause me to sin. It's only what originates in my heart, and then I bring to fruition out of my members or out of my mouth, and those are the things which defile me. And all I could say is, sadly, wow, because this is not such good news. This is bad news. We're all born in sin. This is bad news. Jesus just told us that we're all evil and we have a sinfulness. We have a sinful condition. We all have a disease. It's called sin. Wicked, sinful condition. And everybody has it. Everybody has it, from every child born, from Adam who was born as an adult to the last person just born right now. We're all in a sinful condition. We all have a sinfulness to us, and that's, that's bad news. The fact that we are all sinful at our core is terrible. That's horrible. I mean, the fact that, like we said earlier, we're born into that, we don't even have a chance from the very beginning that we're all born that way, that's kind of heartbreaking. I, I don't even have a chance to be righteous before God. I'm born that way. Nope, you're, you're born defiled. You're born just straight up a sinner. That's shocking. The Apostle Paul realized that in Romans 7.24 when he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? What does he call himself? Oh, wretched man that I am. It's unfortunate, the Lord just brought it back to my mind, that the Pharisees weren't here to hear this. Because if they would have, and they would have heard it, because the, the consequential teaching from Jesus saying that the sin comes from in you means that I'm not sinning if I eat something wrong. That means that, wow, I'm wicked. I'm evil. I'm a sinner. Wow. As Paul realized, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So it's a sad state that every human being is born into. Absolutely. So what do we do about it? Are we all just lost causes then? Is that it? Are we all just washed up? Are we all, well, I'm born in sin. I did not. Better give up. That's it. If we're, I mean, if I'm just lost and sinful in my very core and defiled before God, then do we just give up? Do I just give up? Is that it? I mean, oh my gosh, because defiled or unholy before God, that's not a good thing. That's bad. That's real bad. 
Because defiled means unholy. And holy, unholy means not holy. And God commanded you to be holy for I'm holy. Follow me. Be holy for I'm unholy. Be holy for I'm holy. And what happens? Romans 3.23 says that even all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. So we've all blown it. And we're all, that's it. So do we just give up? What do we do? What do we do? How do we take care of our terrible issue of sin that makes us defiled before God? What do we do? Because we're all born into it. We all commit it. What do we do? What is the remedy for our sinfulness? Actually, God gave that remedy for our terrible sin condition. Paul, in the very next breath, after Romans 7.24 and Romans 7.25, says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. God gave a remedy for our sin. God gave a way out of our sinful condition by sending His only begotten Son. That He loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever should believe in Him which, or trust is the word better translated, whoever would trust in Him, put their trust in Him, should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave Christ as a payment for our sin. God did see us in this evil, wicked, sinful condition. God already saw us from time past. He saw it through Adam and Eve. Because when Adam and Eve first sinned, what did he do? He killed and slaughtered the very first two animals and he clothed them with a temporary clothing that would hide their nakedness, that would hide their sin. The shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no covering or no remission of sins. So God made a remedy for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Because you see, sin has to be paid for. The sin that you've committed, the sin that I've committed, the sin that everybody on the face of the planet has committed has to be paid for. It just can't be, it just can't go on. As we just continue to be defiled, if we died in a defiled state, then that means that we never took up the, the payment that God made for our sins and we continue to work our way, try to work our way into heaven like the religious Pharisees were doing back in Jesus' day. Praise God for His love. I said this before service, and this is, God really struck it in my heart before service. I, praise be to God for His love. And as I said, He could have just given up on us. He could have just said, you know, they're all sinful. They've all blown it. Well, then let them just all die in their sins and plummet to hell, because that's just what they deserve. But He didn't. But He didn't. He saw our evil. He saw our wickedness. And as we, or I'm so prone to do, and I'll see something or somebody being in wickedness or being in evil, and I'll say, ah, yeah, they just deserve what they're getting. God didn't say that. God said, I love those people. I love those people. I, I, don't, I don't want them, I don't want this for them. I don't, want, I don't want them to pay the penalty of the lives that they live. I want to give them a way out. And he offers us a way out of our hopelessness and sinfulness through the sacrifice, through the man, through the God-man, through the man of Jesus Christ. He offered us a way out of this sinfulness that we are stuck in, in this flesh. Oh, wretched man, who will deliver me from this body of death? 
Praise be to God that he offers us this salvation. He offers us this truth. Wow. And how do we take hold of this salvation that God offers through Jesus Christ? How do we take hold of it? What do we do? Because it's there. But you know, just because I know for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him would not perish and have everlasting life. How, what, what happens on that? That's just a knowledge. How do we attain that then? What do we do with that? What do we do with that information? Well, the Bible says that if you realize you're wrong, and you realize you're wrong today, and you realize that, hey, I am sinful. I am wicked. I need a fix. I need a repair. Oh, my gosh. I, oh, wretched man that I am. I, I need help because I'm born in sin. I'm, I'm lost and I'm on my way to hell. Oh my, oh, my gosh. If you realize that you're wrong and need of a fix and in your sinfulness, then your first step, Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. We have to turn to him first of all. Turn to him and repent. Repent. God, I, I'm sorry that I'm trying to work my way to you by my wonderful work, by my works. Because, Lord, if you would have said I could have made it to heaven by my wonderful works or by my works, then you wouldn't have had to send Jesus Christ to die for me on the cross. So we first must turn and admit that we're wrong. Admit that we're in need of another way because our way is not working. It's called repentance. God, I just can't do it this way anymore. It's getting me nowhere. And then, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then we turn to him. After we turn to him, and in faith, we surrender to him and say, Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me of all my sins. Or, Lord, I realize I, I, I've been working my own way, doing my own thing all this time. I need to do it your way and not to do it my own way. Wow, I can't believe it. I was being deceived all these years, but now I know the truth, Lord. I, I just want you. Hebrews 6.1 speaks of this same thing. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. Notice these things are foundational, of the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith, you could say, in Jesus Christ toward God. First step, repentance. I just, I'm sorry, God. I've done it. I've blown it. What have I done? And then, God, I'm going to put all my faith in you. Please save me. Because we need to lay a hold of the salvation that God gives us through Jesus Christ. We just can't know it. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful knowledge. It's a wonderful knowledge. Be like that Christmas tree. It's up, it's up there in Christmas, and we give gifts, and we, we praise the Lord, and you know, we honor his, his, his birth on that day. And then there's, there's gifts underneath the tree, and we look at those gifts and say, whoa, right, that's a wonderful gift under that tree. Wow, that's awful pretty, too. Oh, look at that bow. It's awful, awful pretty. No, unless we take it, even if it had our name on it, unless we take it, we grab hold of it, and we open it up, and we start using what's in there, do we ever get a benefit from that gift? It's the same thing with God through Christ. If we don't ever take the gift, if we don't ever admit that we need the gift, and then take the gift, then we're, we're still living without the gift. We're all in the same boat, folks. We're all in the same boat, all born sinful, all born defiled by God. And I have a question for everybody listening wherever you are. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Because God's giving you the truth now. I'm sure God's brought you the truth before. What are you going to do about your sinful condition? Are you just going to 
keep going on your own way and working your own sins way you think, like the religious leaders of Jesus' day were doing? Or are you going to accept and turn to God's way that He made through Jesus Christ and turn to Him and accept and take His fix for your problem? Or do you think that you're righteous in and of yourself? Because Jesus just said here in our scripture today that the sinfulness, the origin of sin comes from within you. It's a disease. How are you going to handle it? How are you going to handle it? Are you going to keep going on your own? Or are you going to turn to God and Christ and be forgiven of your sins and surrender to Him? Think about it. Think about it. And please, make an action. Because if you don't, you've heard the truth and you're either going to accept the truth and you're going you're to hear it and be a doer of the word or you're going to close your eyes and you're going to close your ears and you're going to fall into a ditch and you're going to plummet to destruction forever. God loves you and he wants to save you. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for the truth of the origin of sin. Lord, thank you so much, Lord God, for the fix that you made for us in that origin of sin, Lord God, because we've all, we're all sinners except for you, Lord, and, and Christ, who although he was born in sinful flesh, he knew no sin. He refused to sin. He would not sin. So that he could be the perfect lamb, the perfect, perfect sacrifice for our sins. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your repair. <clears throat> Lord, we know that your repair is better than our repair. Because, Lord, our repair is, is kind of like, you know, trying to stick a ba- Band-Aid on gangrenous on our arm. Lord, it does, doesn't work. The wound is still there, and we've just covered it up, and the festering, you know, all the evil that's in there is still going to be there. Lord, we need your fix, Lord. I just pray that you would fix everybody that's listening, Lord. I pray that they would let you fix them, Lord. I pray that they would receive the gift that you've given, Lord, and they would stop trying to work their own way. Lord, I pray that they would stop trying to fix their own sinfulness by their religious works and even their man's traditions. Lord, I pray that you would reach out to every person that's listening, Lord. And I pray that they would not close their eyes or close their ears as we read in Matthew. Lord, I I just pray that you would open their eyes and open their ears, Lord. And that, Lord, they would see the truth, Lord, and and turn to you. And away from themselves and away from their own false religious works and their, their own way to you, which is not a way to you. And that they would get saved. Lord, I love you and praise you and thank you. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name.